0: The Arts of the San Joaquin Valley is a program that focuses on the arts community from Stockton to Merced and Foothill to Foothill.
1: We talk with local authors, poets, playwrights, fine artists, actors, directors, filmmakers, dancers, musicians, crafters, and makers to learn more about their
0: art and the arts-related events here in our part of the valley. We're your hosts, Linda Scheller and I'm Sandy Graham. If you're involved in the greater arts community of our area and would like to be featured, we will share our contact information at the end of the show. This is Arts of the San Joaquin Valley with Linda Scheller. Today my guest is Dave Storm, a local multifaceted artist, and I'm so happy he came into our studio today. Thanks, Dave.
1: Thank you, Linda. It's nice to be here.
0: How did you get started as as a young person in the arts?
1: Well, it all began uh, somewhere in the fourth grade at Stanford Elementary School and I discovered that I could actually um, draw next to some of the other kids that were drawing, but I had a little bit more of an advantage, it seemed like, when we were asked to draw something. I was more attracted to the artistic side of of the element in through elementary school. And um, I, it just kind of like when we were asked to do some drawing, I would do it, and then um, I just kept doing it, and then I started doing it too much, and then, <laughs> of course, it became a distraction when I was showing all my artwork off to the other students, you know, and that became disruptive to the class, and well, you know, well, after that, you start getting these little notes pinned onto your shirt, and you go, <laughs> <laughs> so basically, in the in the elementary schools where mm-hmm. I started with, uh, with the illustration and the drawing.
0: That's great. And you also started with music early on, yes. didn't you?
1: Yes, I did. Actually, music was the first um, grasp that I had, uh, hmm. and it started with a, a trumpet, and uh, I took off from the trumpet, and I was... Um, able to read music and interpret music pretty good. But I was uh, around 12 years old, um, coming out of the seventh grade and sixth grade. And, and I was uh, at Stan State, and I was playing command performances there. Wow. Um, I played two interlock, and I, I really didn't know what universities were or what I was doing. I was just kind of like being led through it because I had an interest in other instruments and not just the the trumpet, but other instruments I was just... I could take to them very naturally, and so...
0: So what other instruments do you play?
1: Um, I'm self-taught percussion, piano, keyboards, uh, strings, and uh, guitars. uh, That's all strings, but um, nothing like cello. Uh Um, I'm a bass player by (laughs) nature. As far as stringed instruments goes, bass is my initial instrument.
0: Much like your singing voice.
1: Yeah, and I (laughs) sing as well, but...
0: I was so happy when you joined Modesto Symphony well, thank you, Linda. Orchestra it was, Chorus. I have a
1: very good friend that told me about that, and I was able to uh, uh, adapt quickly to it. And, and uh, it was a, a little bit, you know, when when you get with Daniel. Daniel's a, was such a wonderful instructor, and he's Isn't very he? concise and exacting. So when he he was auditioning me, I was just a bit nervous. And uh, when Daniel came out, and he's like, "Okay, let's just do your audition," I was like okay let's let's do this <laughs> it's either going to be a hit and miss and well fortunately for me I, it was a hit and um i was able to stay on and come aboard a wonderful family of, of vocal musicians and
0: when you were young what artistic influences or inspirations uh really spoke to you and motivated you oh man linda um, Could be.
1: There's cheesy. so many yeah. of them. Um, mostly, it was television uh, was my first interest in in film in yeah. and, and movies. Uh, but cartoons actually were the first um, pulled at me. Uh, the animated cartoons, you know, like the Bugs Bunny Roadrunner Hour and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Um, those were. Wow. I mean, we woke up to that Speed Racer. And, oh, I and remember all the, Speed <laughs> You know, all the all the all the morning cartoons before school, and then mm-hmm. the ones after school, and uh, it just kind of the voice work that that is what attracted me the most was um, the characters involved. You know, like Mel mm-hmm. Blanc, he was just Ugh. just phenomenal, and uh, and still to this day, nobody can touch him and uh, nobody ever will um don lafontaine also was a big influence you know Uh, this this summer you know that guy (laughs) (laughs) from tri-star entertainment that guy was a big influence me so i went into um the radio aspect for a minute and uh i went to sacramento a school called national schools and um it was not really what i was looking for in the end um, as a result of poor judgment, I ended up going, well, I'm not going to do that again. Hmm. Um, I'm just going to naturally let myself be carried by my voice where I have to fit in genuinely to be part of society's uh, claim for fame, I guess. I don't know. I'm not looking to be any kind of famous artist or nothing like that. I just love to create and being around other creatives gives me that that drive motivation.
0: You were a tattoo artist for many years. I was. How did you get into that? <laughs>
1: um, again, naturally, um, from transitioning out of... Um, it was uh, the illustrating and drawing in school. I, I saw my brother come out of the Navy, and uh, he came over to the house. And um, I hadn't seen him in, in years because he was gone overseas. But I saw some... Um, these wonderful-looking pictures on skin... And they were cartoons. And the first one I saw on him was uh, uh, up on his upper arm. It was a wily coyote choking the roadrunner saying, beep, beep, you're, you know. And I was fascinated by this. I was like, let me see that. And he would just be walking around. So I had to be running around behind him trying to look at his arms and, and all these wonderful, wonderful animated pictures and roses and stuff on his arms and a lot of the navy men were doing that at the time you know and uh they still do um in fact it's it's just exploded with tattooing but that's how i very first got the interest in it so around the age of nine i grabbed a needle and thread and i started poking on myself and and i yeah and it just kind of like ouch 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 oh this is kind of cool Um, but there's not much to do when you're locked in a vacancy, Linda. Hmm.
0: So,
1: um, I just, I took it to the next level and I found out more and more and more about it. And, um, the more I found out about it, uh, I led me to a tattoo shop here in Modesto. It was actually the very first tattoo shop Hmm. and it was called fine line tattoos and portraits. And, um, it was over on Bernie street and here in Modesto. And I was, I was 14, 15 years old. And I went in there. And I sat most of the day (laughs) waiting for one of the artists to come in. Um, The artists weren't there, so I just sat and waited because I just had to know who was drawing these wonderful pictures all over the wall. And uh, I wanted to show some of my artwork, too. And um, I showed my artwork after about seven hours of waiting. Um, The owner actually happened by. And um, he looked at my work, and he said, come with me, took me to the back of the room. Put a tattoo. This was my apprenticeship. He puts a machine together, puts the grip in, <laughs> hooks the machine up. And it's an old Spalding and Rogers dial in. And uh, he puts a machine in my hand. He shows, steps on the, the foot pedal, and he makes the machine buzz a couple times. And I'm like, wow. I'm just <laughs> in love at this point. And I'm like, give me that, give me that, give me that. Waiting for him to put it, just give it to me. And he does. And he goes, I got a client coming in in about two hours. And uh, it's a $400 tattoo pair of harley wings and the guy i'm thinking oh this is great this is my first tattoo i get to do a pair of harley wings you know and um, i'm 15 years old and um i was was sitting there waiting for the client and i'm prepping and back then the aseptic techniques weren't like they are today back then we didn't tattoo with gloves and um there wasn't the blood pathogens were not like they are now then so that's how I basically got into tattooing. Um, with the guy that came in, he actually was probably in the neighborhood of a uh, heavyweight uh, weighing in about four four and a half hun- 400 pounds. He was a big boy, and uh, I had to put a, um, a stool under him, and, and it was so uncomfortable for us at that time, Linda, when we were tattooing. But he um, he sat for four and a half hours because I didn't realize when I was doing a pair of Harley wings they were going to be at least seven inches wide <laughs> so, so it took a, about a good four hours to tattoo that guy and that was my very first experience with tattooing you
0: told me you do metal wall sculpture please tell us about that
1: oh my native sculptures um yes uh i am native american i am uh i have uh, four bloods i have french and english and i have uh and yaki blood and so uh, i got french indian english indian wars <laughs> it's just crazy but um i did a lot of research and i be- began getting visions when i was when i moved to florida i was uh i got i got it with my my, my ex fiance's uh we never got married but we um i got in with her family's business and they owned a water heater company and um it was called water heaters or water heaters only and that's all they f- specialized in was installs and i started um with a torch um that the owner had brought into the shop one day and i had never you know ran a a torch so i started cutting these native american wall sculptures um with this torch an oxygen acetylene tank and um, i started creating some really cool stuff on the side of these water heaters that were being discarded from people's homes and i thought well you know this is a pretty cool form of also recycling you know And I was able to um, actually put these metal pieces of art back into people's homes. That's great. (laughs) It was pretty crazy. Yeah. Um, I have pieces all over the world. uh, Germany, Turkey, New Zealand. Um, People came in from Denmark to buy some of my stuff. And uh, a lot of local Florida artists um, that I was there doing um, art shows with um, were kind of fascinated by it. I was kind of fascinated by it myself. I still am. It just kind of came out of me out of nowhere. Um, but again, uh, it links back to the beginning, early days of drawing and, mm-hmm. and be able to put myself in that aspect with other mediums. And I, it was completely unexpected. It was really cool, though, because uh, we, I realized, that, you know, I, you pour a little bit of beer on them. You know, uh, Jared, the guy that was with me the first time I cut one, my, um, he was drinking a beer. He spilt some on it on accident when he was walking over. I said, dude, what are you doing? And he sat down He's was like, I'm drinking my beer. And uh, the beer had actually settled on the piece, looked at each other and, and, and I was like, well, this is kind of strange. I started brushing it, you know, mm-hmm. and continued to brush the excess paint off the art itself and wiped the beer off. Um, apparently it made it rust up very quickly the next day. It had a nice thin layer of rust all through it. And I thought, wow, that looks really cool. You mm-hmm. know, and it gave it a really nice rustic appearance. I was like, well, let me brush that into it. So I continued, and from that time on, we just ended up pouring beer on on the artwork, and it makes it, um, it for some reason, uh, it, it reacted to the, the metal, and and it gave it a really nice look. And since then, I have moved on and evolved from that, and done other parts, things to them, um, such as adding uh, nice rustic colored paints, and a um, hand paint each one. Of very, very nice colors and very soft colors. And they make the peace come alive.
0: Where can people see these? I mean, I wonder how others found out about them so that they <laughs> could obtain them.
1: Well, Linda, to be honest with you, I am by appointment only. And mm-hmm. I haven't, I haven't, I'm just starting to come back alive with it here in California. I did it for so many years in Florida. It was probably not the best place to do it in that state there's not a lot of, of exposure in, in the area. I was set up in some art galleries down there, but I oh. haven't gotten in touch with any galleries here yet because I want to complete this first one uh-huh. as a display example. And, and then um, I, I usually make them by, you know, appointment only. Um, these arts are, if I do set something up, it'll be uh, in very uh, minimal. It's not going to be like tons of them available mm-hmm. because they're all one of a kind. Yeah. And there are no two alike. They usually take about a year to make. There's a lot of love that goes into them, and there's a lot of um, a lot of uh, emotion that goes into my work. And uh, it it comes from a place that's chord center that I just cannot explain into words um, how I am able to do these these many talents. And uh, sometimes, like I say, I <laughs> I, f- I feel like you know when when I'm sitting next to that person that I'm drawing something, and they're like. I can't even draw a stick figure. I'm like, Oh gosh, I, if I could only give that person the yeah. ability for a minute to let them check it out and let them draw something really cool. I'm like, it's not that hard. Look, you really realize that, you know, that gift is truly and genuinely a gift.
0: Did you spend a lot of time drawing then as a child?
1: I did. I spent a lot of time. I was a little bit of a wild child, so I spent a lot of time. And so oftentimes I would get in trouble and I have to, I'd be staying in my room. And uh, that's where it would be the best time to connect and bond with this talent. And mm-hmm. it became so so much so <laughs> uh, that um, I got really good really fast. I think I was three or four years old when I was drawing the Charles mm-hmm. Schultz uh, peanuts mm-hmm. out of the newspapers. That's where I began. And um, doing some of those those comic strip artwork it uh-huh. was is what the very first development stage for my, my illustrations and, and artwork.
0: Are you a painter as well?
1: Yes, I do painting, um, not as often. I like to reserve the painting, like I said, for my metal sculptures because um, I believe that I, that combination. I don't acquire a lot of clutter <laughs> with paintings, um, especially doing stuff that you know maybe people don't want. <laughs> you know, all of a sudden, now you got a stack of them, <laughs> and uh, well, you know, even Wayne Gretzky's trophies end up in the garage, you know. So I just um, I like to reserve my painting for my, my metal sculptures as a combination and the duality of bringing them together. And, Mm -hmm. and some people go like, well, I don't really care much for the color on mine. I'll just have mine done with a, the natural metal look. And then I do an overspray of, of, of clear, a matted clear finish on them. And, they, they are very nice um, with the proper lighting on them and the, the way they're displayed onto a pallet wall. then They look really nice. And um, I'm hoping to share them with the, with the city of Modesto soon.
0: Oh, good. And, I look uh, forward get, to that. Get
1: some of them out and start meeting some of the gallery owners. And yeah. um, as much as I can, um, meeting more fascinating and wonderful people like you, oh, thank you uh, Dave. That, that, that make this town great to live in.
0: I'm speaking with Dave Storm, and this is Arts of the San Joaquin Valley. So you said your Native American metal wall sculptures are mounted. Um, what, What are they mounted on?
1: They used to, in the past, in Florida, I would mount them on nothing. Hmm. And uh, they would just hang freely on the wall and I would treat the back of them so that they wouldn't, you know, damage any paint on Hmm. people's walls um, when they were being hung or whatnot. But it just seemed something was always missing. And so when I came here, it's so crazy. I had to go all the way to Florida to figure out how to do these really cool sculptures that I didn't even know I was going to be able to do. And then after 20 years, I got to come back to California to realize, hey, there's a good idea for a frame. (laughs) Nobody was really suggestive because I didn't know how I wanted to do the framings Mm. for them. So what I started doing was collecting old barn wood. Ah. Uh, I would drive down these alleys in Modesto and I would just look around and see what was being thrown out. And I'd find a nice stack behind Mm. somebody's fence, you know, they're throwing it out and they're getting rid of it. And it was already pre-aged. So, you know, I like to pre-age everything. Just have a fascination for old wood, I guess. And I pulled it up and threw it in my truck and, Went back to the house and let it sit some more. And once it was nice and brittle, and not too brittle, but where it'll break, I started piecing it together. And um, I would make almost like a pallet type finish for the back now. And I and I brush a nice uh, uh, wood stain on them, soften it, softened, and then I go over it with a sander, with the palm sander, and I and I feather out the sides, and I, I really bring it to life. And then I center it in front of there and i attach by wiring um like a framing wire to the wood palette type style frame and um and it adheres to it and it's nice um i put natural elements on all of my artwork so it also brings a creative pop to it with the natural elements um involved too because um if i'm using a collar piece i'll, I'll use a nice mother of pearl shell and, and then i'll attach feathers and, and sinew throughout the whole piece it's a nice piece I'd love to share it with you, mm. um, and I'd it, love it's to see almost it. finished, and it should be done by this end of this next week. And it'll Ooh. be one year and three months. Wow, that this piece took to make. It's so, very nice.
0: So these are realistic, natural elements, nothing abstract, so much as representative, visionary. Um, how would, how would yeah, you describe this
1: it, it just um they come to me um i i like to believe that they were ancestors oh. you know from um uh, not just my own nation um mm-hmm. tribe but uh there's other nations too you know there's so many nations that we have you know and uh, i believe they just come to me and, and and vision, when I see them is when I pick up my torch and I start cutting them out and they're they're nice usually nice profiles some are three quarter, uh, depending on the, on the feeling that I'm getting is what I'll transition through the flame. I used to call this this vision sculptured in fire mm. because that's what I would be basically doing is sculpturing with fire. Well, there's so many uh, different things that people can do with the mediums they use in fire, but this one is mine. And uh, I I discovered it accidentally um, working in a water heater company, you know, and um, the owner of the company was, his name is Sid Sutherland. He was, uh, he's he's passed now, rest his soul. But he taught me um, how to just fire up the torch, how to adjust the oxygen acetylene. And I took it from there. He showed me one time. If you show me one time anything, I am pretty much pick it up and I'll see what I can do with it after that. But
0: so you're still using water heaters?
1: Still doing it. I, I, I gather them up if I see them on the side of the road, but mm-hmm. now here's the, here's the big but of it all. It has to be a certain type of water heater. It can't just be like, oh, the old natural last 20 years. I prefer to have these water heaters like from the days of old where you could actually hit the water tank and it would make a dent in it. Mm-hmm. Now they foam fill them and you can't really do that. And they're a lot harder to skin and uh, it takes a sawzall, and you got to kind of buzz through them and then peel them like an orange. Once I do that though, I, I get going because the sheet metal, There's something about just uh, working on a piece of flat sheet metal. That's not the same because of the curvature of the tank and the cutting of the torch, the way I go into it, when I pull the piece out, it actually has a nice slender curve to it to where it's not too much and it's enough you know it's just it's perfect it's got the right curvature that adds to the appeal of of the profile that i'm cutting you know and uh, it brings it to life i think it adds its own flair because it's curved
0: do you feel that the older wood the the older metal they've been used for other things this is like a second life but the fact that they've just been so long is is that very important in your art
1: it is because I, I tie the the age process, the understanding of, of primitive time too, you know. There is that time that needs to, to go into a piece of work. Um, some of the earlier water tanks, you know, they actually had monel. The actual tank of your water heater is inside. It sits about four inches in, three to four inches inside. That's the actual tank. Now, what I cut from there is on the outside. Mm. So it's also really cool when it falls out and and you see the old fiberglass, the actual fiberglass insulation that sits between the actual tank and the skin of the water heater, it actually burns an image into the the old um fiberglass and it'll leave its own image in that. Of course, that's a different art in itself, but um <laughs> once the piece falls out from the water heater, I then take the brushing, a wire brush to it. Um, When it comes to the framing, I take the wood and I sand it down the way I want it so that it has the nice appeal of, you know, the old west, you know, and it gives it that kind of like that Columbia if you've ever been to Columbia yes you know it's um it's a wonderful place to be I'm always trying to make my backyard look like Columbia right now well, good. <laughs> with all this old barn wood but that the, for the framing and the ideal piece of the age of the of the wood and considering that the you know age plays a, a big importance in the value of of what I'm putting together I want it to add the newer elements of modern and, and brush those in gently so that when you look at the piece, you can feel both elements. Mm. You know, I think it's important, yes.
0: Once again, I'm speaking with Dave Storm. This is KCBP Community Radio, 95.5 FM. And this is Arts of the San Joaquin Valley. I met you when we were both in a Prospect production. Yes. You're a wonderful actor and your voice is incomparable. Oh,
1: thank you, Linda.
0: How did you, you get into acting?
1: Oh, well. I'd have to say it was Mrs. Potter's fifth grade elementary school. Yeah.
0: Is that here in Modesto? fourth
1: grade. Yeah, it was in Modesto here. Uh, Stanford Elementary is where I attended uh, first through sixth grade. And um, I fell into a production. No, it was Mrs. Renteria's third grade class. That's right. (laughs) Yeah, it was um, Peter Rabbit. (laughs) That was the very first production I was in. And... um, Mrs. Renteria, boy, she was a hard case. She didn't let you get away with nothing. But um, there were some other other kids in that, that were uh, very uh, open to doing the play, and they, they invited me to, to, to do it because I guess I was very animated, and and I somewhat still am.
0: I <laughs> concur. Better,
1: on better days. So <laughs> I said, sure, I'll try it out. And I, I don't even remember the, which role I had. I think I was a, a tulip or something. I don't even know what I did, but I had to spring up and down. And then, I, they, I, I, yeah, that was pretty crazy times uh, in, in my youth uh, doing the, the, the school plays. And then it uh, one day it just all went away and, you know, you start going into middle school and you forget about stuff like that. Oh. But music kind of carried me through that.
0: That's good. How about yeah. high school? Did you do any high school plays?
1: I did not. I was already um, complications at home. Uh, so um, yeah. I was wanting to grow up a lot faster than I probably should have um, in a different... Yeah. Area than I should have of, of geographical location, so um, I relocated myself a lot to different places and mm-hmm. and I met different people and different walks and different artists uh, musically. Uh, I played out live with people before, and then back then it was a lot of the hair bands and, and ego trips, and I was just I wasn't into all that. Mm. Um, I tried, but it just didn't work out for me uh, musically with other people. Mm. I kind of play alone most of the time for one audience you know and mm-hmm. uh, I, i'm i'm content with that um if i meet somebody else that happens to be on my level with music mm-hmm. and and kind of plays like i do i mean structurally i don't read i play more by ear and by just what comes out of me i, I just never found an interest in, in re- replaying other people's songs and so i i kind of write my own and i've stayed close to that and like i said i i write for one audience and and it's content for me that way
0: hmm. So, when did you get back into acting
1: oh linda <laughs> so much fun acting it is. um i decided um when i came back here and i retired from tattooing about six years ago the tattoo world was wonderful experience i have no regrets about it i met a lot of wonderful people i took off about six years ago and i retired from it and closed closed up the doors of my my shops I owned three shops uh, oh. two in Orlando and I owned one here in Modesto um it was time my body was letting me know slowly that you know the deterioration of my spine mm. in the lower area of my back was was starting to get worse and I had to make some adjustments and new changes to my life and my lifestyle and uh, uh buffing a chair with my butt wasn't one of them you know so mm. I just um I, for the most part I said I gotta I gotta look at some new alternatives So I I said, after moping around the house for five years, and uh, my wife was like, what are you going to (laughs) do? What are you going to do? I'm like, I don't know. I got to do something. I was driving her crazy. She didn't know what to do. So (laughs) I I said, well, you know what? I used to do a little acting back in grade school, and I heard MJC had a really good program. And um, so I was contemplating, waiting for the fall season to start up uh, last year, about a year and a half ago. And I, I thought to myself, I saw an audition uh, for a film, a local indie film and being produced and so I went to that audition and I got a part in the film. Totally unexpected but I I said cool and we moved forward with it and so acting kind of just Rolled in barrel rolled into MJC and then Prospect and I was already peeking through the windows at Prospect first before MJC or anything else. Isn't it fabulous? I love Prospect Theater. I I love what they're doing there. I love the, the people and 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 I, more so than the actual plays themselves. I love the Radio Cavalcade. It's. Probably perhaps my favorite of all, um, just because I even love being here with you right now, Linda, and being over here on the mic to, to tell people, you know, how wonderful these things in Modesto are now that weren't there before.
0: Yeah. You're listening to KCBP Community Radio at 95.5 FM and streaming at kcbpradio.org. You do a lot of voice work, don't you? I do. And where did that get started?
1: Um, that started just uh, before I went to Sacramento, and I decided that um, at the time, just before we moved off into Florida, um, when uh, my my, my ex girlfriend Wendy and I, um, I she's uh, she her parents were the ones with the water heater business that okay. I told you about, and well, I said I'm going to go to school over here in Sacramento. They had a they got a broadcasting school over here. Um, but little did I know that this broadcasting school wasn't exactly everything I wanted it to be uh, Or, or sort of they proposed they hung this carrot in your face, you know that saying hey come and do this broadcasting school and da 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 We're gonna give you job placement and we got all this available for you and blah blah and so I bit into it and And I'm thinking well, this is kind of cool. Um, but was it what I wanted wrong? wrong no <laughs> No, it was, uh, give us your money, Um, go try to be a radio guy. And then they kind of kick you out. And these stations see you coming with your little stupid certificate and all this other stuff. And they're like laughing. You're like a laughing stock to them because they don't want you. They're going to, they're going to just throw your, your demo disc right in the garbage (laughs) and say, have a nice day. Um, but there are some reputable schools out there that, that people come from, but this just for me, wasn't one of them. And, um, So I never went back into that. And uh, I kind of just let myself drift and meet good people on my own without forcing it or trying to break down the doors of radio stations because I lost interest in that um, based on the way the industry was set up at the time. Hmm. And um, I just wasn't into a lot of the lifestyle that went with it. And I found more fascination, believe it or not, Linda, in just making commercials, radio spots um, for anyone that, you know, ask me of my services, I'd be, sure, no problem. You can go in there and make a commercial for them, you know? And uh, that's where I found the deepest love for radio was because of the the call for being able to be somebody else and be somebody different through acting. And acting on radio and acting on commercials and and voice spots and doing things for people, it's just a feeling that I can't explain, Mm -hmm. you know, to be able to read their text, what they want, and then put together a character to do it. So I I'd like to be around it and I love being around the people that love to do it. So
0: Well, I think you've come to the right place.
1: <laughs> thank you so much.
0: KCBP would love to have you. And uh, you you'd love the people who who are volunteering their time. I mean this well, is thank you, Linda, just a labor of love. Nobody's getting paid. So we're doing what we think is
1: important in the community. And it is, and it is to reach to reach listeners and to and to share what we have to offer. There's so yeah. much in the community that needs to be put out there that, um, I know I'm not the only one. Uh, I know there's other artists like me mm. that struggle with this. Um, just trying to grasp on the adaptation of all these different talents that, you know, can be in one person, yeah. but find that person is hard because you can't, there's no way to define that person. There's so many levels and sides to that person mm-hmm. uh, artistically that, it's like, hey, you find someone like that and you go, you're like me. Hmm. Wow. You know, and then chances are you never see him again. <laughs> you know. So,
0: yeah, most of the time you're pursuing your own art. You and are. that's kind of an isolated existence. And it is. And they're doing the same thing. So you don't know they're out there.
1: No, you don't. And what's what's so wonderful about it is, is when you finally do bump into someone like yourself or close to it, mm-hmm. you like, you know, you feel a special closeness. And yeah. it's like, uh, let, let's spend as much time quality time right now in this moment, because this moment might be gone just like that. And you might not see that person ever again. Mm -hmm. And, and then you may see him a few more times and then you won't. And I felt like that way with you, Linda, when I first met you, I was like, Oh, I felt a deep connection with this woman right away. And she's on, she's helping other people. Well, that's going to push her own success. And that's her drive force is by helping other people get what they want. And I believe that's true. Um, in all aspects of everything that's going on in this world today, the way you know you're politically incorrect here or whatever there, you get you just got to take sides with yourself mm-hmm. and say you know what, let it be. I think that John Lennon said it best: mm-hmm. "Let it be, just let it be." And um, so that's what we got to do in a lot of cases where there's mixed emotions on different elements and topics of life. You know, mm-hmm. because everybody has their own opinion and they're entitled to it.
0: Sure. So, what do you feel art does for the individual
1: oh man it's an expansion to the universe
0: Hmm.
1: um it's it's a connection to the creator it's the ability to reach within yourself and bring something out that nobody's ever seen before it's a entitlement to, to a wonderful world that and it's just infinite it's infinite color infinite design infinite streams infinite lines infinite everything it's just an internal core of, of explosive universal value that you can't get anywhere else It's something that's putting you from the day one that you actually discover mm. you don't go oh I'm born and then you see everything yeah you see everything as it unfolds mm. and that's when you start the discovery process because until then you don't know you're some babbling big baby head you know you don't know you're an infants infants are just absorbing sponges and that's what they do mm. and so in an in, in aspect of that you know it's um it's something that you have to keep in mind everybody has a little something in them mm-hmm. that they can share but they just haven't found it yet and i don't think that personally if you're not looking you aren't gonna find it mm. i mean there's some guys like my friend Amazing carpentry work. I mean, cabinet work is his specialty, and he builds the most beautiful cabinetry with hideaway boxes and all kinds of mysterious stuff. And it's like, how do you do that? You know, I like working around wood, but I can't do that with wood like he does. And so everybody has a little something. Yeah. You know, you. I hadn't even expected. Until I was sitting with you during one of our performances, I didn't see you as a singer at, with, with MSO, see, you know, I was like, oh, wow, Linda, suddenly I had that connection. There's another somebody like me that's got more than one talent. And those are the people I love to be around now, whereas before Modesto did not have that opportunity or those type of offers back then. Growing up was a little bit different for me here in town and it was a lot lot rougher back then and there was far less opportunity um, as a community mm-hmm. with so many um, new vast areas of arts and entertainment. It just wasn't there for us. Um, there was no Gallo Center. There, were, there weren't these places. There were no galleries. There were no downtown galleries. Uh, there were business offices and realtors and, and, and such. But now is the time. And the arts have, will always prove itself again and again and again. Because the arts have no fail There's no way to fail in art. Only if you're failing yourself as Mm. an artist, then you will not be able to project outwardly what people need to see.
0: Mm. Then for our listeners who are hoping to become more proficient or more expressive in the arts and maybe are afraid or just need some direction, what would you advise for them?
1: Well, Linda, I would definitely say if you want to do anything in the arts, it doesn't matter what it is. I don't care what it is you want to do. Just think about it long and hard before you make the decision. Connect with the universe on it. Connect with creation. Connect with yourself. And then just take it to the next level. Find a group of people that are doing it and join them. <laughs> it's pretty simple. Um, it's, it's kind of a no-brainer. Once you figure out what it is that you'd like to do, and even if you don't know that you want to do that, try it anyway. You know, Because you absolutely do not know if you are going to be masterful at something. Try it because if you find out by accident that you are good at it, you're mm-hmm. going to have a good time doing it. And if you're having a good time doing it, you're happy. That means you're doing something you love. And there is nothing on the face of the planet that is better than that. Yeah. There just isn't. And helping other people, like I said, is where you're going to find that true inner uh, reliance of self-confidence, a uh, self-assurance by helping other people get what they want. Mm-hmm. That's going to unlock your success, in my opinion.
0: When I volunteered to be a programmer, I wanted to bring together different elements of our community and make people feel more connected, less isolated, and also experience the wonder of the diversity of our area and all of the very talented, passionate people who are otherwise going under the radar? So it's so delightful to speak with you well, and have you, you, met you it's, to begin with. It's,
1: yes, you too. It's, and uh, if
0: it weren't for the arts, we'd never have <laughs> met.
1: <laughs> we probably wouldn't. And it's it's I see that with a lot of people. You know, Michael Lynch, uh, at professor theater professor at Modesto Junior College. A lot of people that I talk with and I connect with actually don't know that he was Jeremy Renner's first acting coach. Oh. They don't realize that, you know, when Jeremy was here attending MJC, you know, he was under instruction of Michael Lynch. And through him, we all know, you know, Jeremy Renner. Uh, as Hawkeye from the, uh, the Avengers and Mar- uh, MCU universe. Mm-hmm. Um, he was, he was just like me. It's like you, he's from a small town here in Modesto and he went to my school. He went to buyer high. I attended buyer as long. So did Timothy elephant. And you know, yeah. it's just uh, it's, it's, a, it's an amazing feeling to know that you come from George Lucas town. Mm-hmm. You know, when you say that all of a sudden people go, Oh, you know until then they don't know about really about modesto in depth but there's a lot a lot of wonderful talent here linda and i am it's just in in awe of some of the young talent that i'm working with currently um in the production now that we got going uh here at the the mjc of the hunchback of notre dame and are not notre dame it's notre dame did you know it was notre dame no i didn't i was like okay well let me see um I got to get around these kids that are like generations apart. And <laughs> I sit there and watch them just beast it out with performance. And I was like, I'm in awe. And They're telling me they're, they're in awe of me. And I'm like, no, I'm in awe of you. And so we're in awe of each other and we're all just walking around. Oh, oh, that was good. Oh, ah. Oh. So you understand what I mean? When you I get do. with such talent, it's like, you don't, I don't want to lose that embrace with any of them. Mm -mm. When I get in cast with somebody, um, theatrically, I just, I, 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 bond to them and it's an, it's just a natural love bond of man. It's so good to be working with you. Mm. And I feel that way that you have to be in order to achieve the success you want at the level that you want to be when you get to the A listers in, in, uh, in the South down in, uh, in the Hollywood area. And um, that's where I'm going to be venturing off one day into the oh. sunset. <sniffs> He's riding off into the sunset. <sniffs> and there he goes. <laughs> you know, and um, when I get there, I want to still have that built up persona of myself that, you know, I began the right way on this journey. Because I let me tell you, I've done some other stuff that just wasn't the right way. And once you figure out that, That's not the right way. And this is. You want to build on that correctly. And truly, you want to do it quick. Now, me, I'm coming in at midlife. You know, um, I have to look at a lot of stuff. (laughs) A lot of stuff online about other actors that have come in at my age. And um, I'm just glad. And my true love is that there is no age qualification. Limit for theater, film, acting period. You just can come in at any age. And you can achieve. If you can dream it, you can achieve it.
0: Touche. I'm speaking with Dave Storm on Arts of the San Joaquin Valley. Is this a unique community in that we have so many people who've gone on to be Hollywood actors, big-time Boy, yeah, singers, they do. Uh, filmmakers? What is it about this area that's produced so I many don't great know, artists? Linda,
1: I really couldn't tell you. Um, all I could say is the direction of teaching the Hmm. instructors that are are here. Let's just take MJC for a a moment. It's a small little tiny community theater, Mm -hmm. yet it has produced and spawned so many great talents, you know, and um, from being from here myself, I was always proud of that fact that I would be able to, you know, when everybody anywhere in the world is comes to Fort Lauderdale, where I was tattooing and and would start talking about star Wars and that would instantly flash me into the back here in town on Brigsmore, uh, right here at the Brigsmore Theater. Mm-hmm. When when somebody clear across from another place comes and talks about Star Wars, it puts me right back in the mental state of being at the theater at Brigsmore. And standing in line uh, there waiting for Star Wars, to see Star Wars for the first time with my free box of popcorn and my lemonade and my poster you know, which, which I have none of today, um, <laughs> sadly. But um, yeah, it was. Uh, it's an experience that takes you mentally in flight back to a time, kind of like a song does when you hear that song play. It takes you back, and you start to think about, "Wow, I remember that time and who I was with and what I was doing." Well, same thing when people talk about Star Wars or. If they're watching Justified, you know, or they're watching something that, that that's Marvel Universe and they see Hawkeye, you know, those people are my influences. Mm-hmm. You know, Jeremy Renner, big influence. Um, Timothy Elephant, big influence. And he just did Dead Santa Word. Clarita Diet, I think, with uh, Drew Barrymore. Just a hilarious show on Netflix. And um, these are, without saying, George Lucas over there at Skywalker Ranch, you know, it's... It's these influences that have given the drive force to so many, not just myself. But, you know, I'm sure you as well. Mm-hmm. Um, they're very inspirational people because they come from this town and they went to our schools yeah. and, you know, they have been involved in a lot of the things and they have returned back to their town to give that open community love and share that back to people. And I think that's what's the quality core of Modesto is that those people that have begun to be successful have returned back to give back. Yeah. And when you can do that, you're helping people you don't even know. And that's the reward I find that you could give to everybody freely Mm -hmm. every day. Because, you know, there is absolutely no charge for kindness. Mm
0: -hmm. When I first moved here in the late 70s, I was delighted Mm -hmm. and amazed at the friendliness of the people. I met Brian Swander, my next door neighbor, (laughs) remarkable artist. And he was immediately welcoming and And kind and and shared his magnificent art. And that's the way people here seem to be for the most part. They They help each other and and they open up to each other. And that support and encouragement and that, that community is irreplaceable
1: and it has been that way um for me since my return coming back from florida you know i didn't really know where anything was anymore <laughs> it was a, it was very you know unfamiliar um you're in another state for um, well over two decades you just kind of um don't know where anything's at when you return home mm. and then you become split with the duality of both of both homes you know um, the more time I spent here, the less I remembered at Florida, mm-hmm. uh, the more time I spent in Florida, the less I remembered here. And so you have to regain and restructure that familiarity yeah. in um, coming back home, um, through the process of meeting people on my second return home. Um, we have so many things going on now. I was just delighted. I was just in awe standing and go, wow, we have a big place to perform now yeah we have a nice performance center mjc has a performance center that's just you know prospect theaters prospect theaters we've got center stage conservatory you know we have so many different places popping up and they're all over the place and the availability is there for everyone to enjoy it's not just us Come one, come on, yeah. man. The more, the merrier.
0: Trichromatic Gallery. Everything. The Misseland. Mm-hmm. a and w.
1: <laughs> Visit a piece of history, you know? <laughs> and I mean, the, the age of the grill makes the burger taste the best, you know? Uh, there's so much to do in Modesto, mm-hmm. and those are the elements that I find drive uh, programs like Love Modesto, yeah. um, uh, which my wife and I are a very big part of every year, oh. um, in contributing and giving back to the city, You know, and uh, uh, being a volunteer for for Love Modesto and other programs, it it actually adds the essential of life because people seem to get unplugged from their daily lives going on throughout the day of their their regular work routines and whatnot. Um, Come home, have very little time for yourself or each other or their family. And it tends to be mind strutting because it sets you back physically and emotionally. Mm -hmm. Um, It strains and stresses you and drains you. Now, when you have these programs available and you get a chance to get out there and be a part of them, it actually revitalizes and recharges your energy levels. It makes you have a self-worth you can't explain to anyone else. Mm -hmm. It's inner. It's all inner. It serves the inner voice that's calling, hey... I've never been a volunteer Linda in almost anything growing up cause I've always been tattooing on somebody and that's a pretty sad excuse for myself. Now looking back that I could have been more effective in areas of volunteer work. Like I hadn't for so many years when I finally discovered it here in Modesto, I had to come back to Modesto, you know, and start all over again. That start was for the good. It really was. It was for the good. And um, Meeting that area of open arms for volunteer work, it transpired in me and, and and now I can expand it to others, and I can tell them, "Hey, take a moment and just stand back and help someone. Help someone achieve something that they're, they they want to do.
0: If people go online, where can they see your work?
1: Right now, it's just I'm cutting videos right now, and that would be Storm City Productions on my Facebook page. Okay. Um, I just started doing um, some very nice uh, wedding wedding stuff, cinematic style wedding video events. I was uh, actually under a mentorship of Ray Croshen from Milestone Cinematography, and um, very wonderful uh, photographer and and friend. He has um, he stabilized me and the understanding of cutting film because i fell in love with with cutting film and putting the puzzle pieces together in editing i i love doing that i love sitting there for hours on end and putting putting romantic things together mm. and there's something about that linda that's just fulfilling for me i have a very wonderful wife she's a uh, been a best friend for years since 1984 and she has been a lot of my um my inspiration in many areas without she doesn't even try she has no artistic ability other than the gluing stuff on gluing little rocks onto other big rocks and she likes to do her little crafts and stuff but she doesn't go out beyond that that's not who she is She's more of a homebody, and she's been the structure behind my inspiration for wanting to do so much and uh, and share it with everybody out here. And to the best I have my ability, right now I'm just cutting film, and I'm working on my visual arts as well as trying to get (laughs) into choir and be with choir, too, and be in theater, too, and uh, the list just goes on this
0: is arts of the san joaquin valley on kcbp community radio i'm speaking with dave storm i did see on modesto view you have some poetry i do so you are also a writer
1: (laughs) i am how long have you been writing all my life uh it began in the early areas probably around age 10 11 Mm -hmm. and um just small little things like tidbit fortune cookie things. And I would start gathering and I'm writing them on napkins and this and that. And then it kind of evolved from there. Um, it went into songwriting and, and I started pu- publishing my own songs, but, um, never recording anything for the, 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 public. Um, there's so much opportunity to do that. Now it's just finding the time to serve that, uh, did talk a little bit with David Dow over at MJC and, uh, David's wonderful, um, recording artist engineer, he was um, serving the community for so many years. Wes Page for uh, my video work, um, editing and cutting film. Uh, I, Wes is my go-to guy when uh, when Ray's not around. But uh, there's so many wonderful people that gosh, I couldn't even go through the list of them all. Linda, and
0: has anybody locally been encouraging you to write and publish your poetry?
1: Well, yeah, I'm looking at one of them right now. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I I do have a. A manuscript
0: Oh um, good
1: uh, Of poetry that I I have not yet published And uh, I really don't know who to talk to about it I haven't I can start. Okay, well, that would be Any fantastic. Any pointers
0: I can give you, I would gladly... Well, that's good news. Uh,
1: thank you, Linda. I've I just um, I, I've only let a few people read it. Um, mm-hmm. It's It's got some dark areas, and it's got some bright areas, and it's yeah. got a lot of different mixed emotions, and I think that people will be able to adapt with it. Um, the name of the manuscript is currently called The End of a Darkened Heart, mm. and uh, it's, it's a very um, beautiful section of my life, but it was also a very excruciating time emotionally in some areas where um, the light wouldn't trickle in you Mm -hmm. know and when it finally did it was very minute it was was times that you had to grow out of Uh, areas of life and moments that you have to grow out and away from and I find that mm -hmm. through writing it was the writing was my key to unlocking that door and actually going through it was the process of delivery when it comes to putting it in a physical form of manuscript and seeing it in front of your face this is stepping through the threshold mm-hmm. and this is going beyond is when you finally achieved that and I think that can be related to a lot of things in life um, not just uh, you know my, my, my experience with poetry and writing but it could be used utilized with many people in different forms and facets of life you know um, writing has done that for me and um, I'd like to share more of that good as you touched down on that thank you for that Linda that means a lot
0: these poems do they go way back in your life or are they mostly more recent
1: they do and they don't um, and I, what I mean by that is because in the beginning, when I first started writing, it was um, just more of a, a self-challenge of outlet because I had all these inner emotions from uh, some traumatic experiences as a youth. Um, other areas were, you know, gratifying and uplifting. And then I had, the, it's the roller coaster ride of life that gives it that, that fulfill emotion of mm-hmm. content. And when you have that kind of content working in your direction and you can, you can convey that. To to people easily just by reading a few words, you know, it, just a, a paragraph. Mm-hmm. It's it's something that's man. It can really shake and move. I've read some people's uh, memes online that just just take a, de- a depressive mood, takes it away immediately. You could read something in just a few words, and it just uplifts you. And, and you know, I, I could I could relate to that. I could whatever that was that I just read. I don't know who wrote it. And there you go. Wow. I got an emotion in me now from that. Hmm. I got a feeling that means something. You can generate more energy and proficiency off of just that little feeling that something you read off a card. You understand. I do. Uh, There's the ones that really grab you and writing. Somebody sat down and wrote that one day based on a feeling they had. And when they had that connection, they put it down and then they shared it out there. Uh, we can read them. The advantage of the 21st century knowledge we have today available to us is just absolutely endless. Yeah. It's, it's infinite. You can just continue down. You could lose hours in the day of your life just absorbing the knowledge. Mm-hmm. But if you're not truly keeping that stored in your mental filing cabinet for later purpose, then it's kind of pointless. If you're not utilizing and forwarding those things to other people and letting them know, too, that, hey, this matters. You're human. I'm human. We're all human. We need to identify with that artistically, socially, and, you know, without end. We have to be able to love one another openly and share it. Because sharing is important in our community. And as a community, that's what it means. It means you're a community. You commune together. You say, hey, I love you, man. And and not be ashamed of, of, to feel it. You know? And this is what I love about you, man. I love the way you did that last performance, man. I thrive off of energy like that. Yeah. You know? I hear somebody with a with a fantastic dialogue. It's like, oh, man, you did that great, dude. You know? it's It's those little things that, make the combination of one big thing that lets you explode in this, in this uh, place called Modesto.
0: Do you feel mood sometimes to just sit down, make music, grab that torch, pick up your pen or get on yes. the computer to write something? Yes. I and do. then you drop everything and run to the appropriate room. I
1: do Linda. I do uh, daily. That's the <laughs> best way that's to true. live. Isn't it? I can't, I can't seem to, um, I can't seem to filter myself into each one long enough. Um,
0: Oh, why should you?
1: I know. And then, plus all my doggies, we have all our doggies too, and <laughs> I have to give them all kinds of love too. And then, uh-huh. once we get there, it's like, okay, my piano is like ten feet away. I got to go play, and then, okay, <laughs> <laughs> and then I'll jump on that, play for a while, then jump off that. See, I, I don't have any formal piano training of any kind or keyboard training. Um, I've taught myself just by what I think sounds good on on the keys, mm-hmm. you know, or strings or whatnot. Um, I'm constantly tapping on stuff. You know, and I'm (laughs) I have to serve each one of them, and then I'm out sketching something over here, and I might be writing something over here, and then I'm cutting and editing film over here, and it just I go out in the garage, I have to put some stuff on the artwork, and I'm trying to just to I guess funneling out something to one of my of the crafts or projects that I have going, and it it take believe it or not, it takes up very quickly the day, Mm -hmm. runs down before you know it, yeah, Mm -hmm. and. Get a little
0: little sleep and get up and do it again. again.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's true because you only have so many hours. I'm still trying to figure out how to put that 25th hour in the day. I know.
0: Tell (laughs) me. When you figure it out, I want to (laughs) know.
1: But I think the performance area of different things, um, like you, Linda, have been a very big inspiration to me. And I don't know if you know this, but I've shared, or I tried to share, but you're like always gone. As soon as we were done with rehearsal or something, (laughs) you're always, boom, gone. I'm like, where's Linda? She's like, oh, she's gone. She already left. (laughs) <laughs> and I'll be looking around for you, but you, Linda, have absolutely been a great inspiration to my life. I cannot thank you enough for welcoming my uh, my talents with open arms and noticing um, the value in them that uh, many don't see right away because I don't share it with a lot of people. Um, prospect Theater um, has opened that door for me in a lot of ways that I'm so grateful for trying to, to mix in with everybody down there is it's not always the easiest because everybody's got different scheduling and conflicts mm-hmm. and there's it's so many people revolving down there but they're wonderful people they are. and they just heart they touch my heart in ways they'll never know that they themselves will never know to be able to craft with with Jack Susan and them sometimes um, working with director Michael uh, for our radio plays um, pitching in to, to volunteer down there you know and, and make sure everything's clean and organized and there's coffee fresh coffee for people you know those are the things that you know we we thrive on to help each other in the community probably the best move I ever made coming from Florida was uh, peeking through the windows of Prospect It opened a lot more doors
0: I've so enjoyed our conversation Dave As thank I have you too, very Linda. much you're
1: very welcome Linda thank you for having me The Arts of the San Joaquin Valley has been produced and hosted by Linda Scheller and Sandy Graham and features music by Kilobot, waves of wonder from the album Jazzy Lazy. You can learn more about their music at www.kilobot.de. That's K I E L O B O T.de.
0: If you would like us to feature your art related event or if you would like to be featured on our show, contact us at arts at kcbpradio.org. Stay tuned for more great community radio brought to you by local volunteers, the Modesto Peace Life Center, and listeners like you. Please visit kcbpradio.org to show your support and to learn more about your community radio station. Catch you next time on the Arts of the San Joaquin Valley.